Welcome to the Living In Podcast, a show that helps successful real estate teams accelerate their growth and impact. Livian, love how you live in all aspects of life. All right, so this week I'm joined with uh, Joe Zimmerman. And Joe, you're a man of many titles and, and businesses. So for anyone who doesn't know you, who would you say you are? So, uh, great question, Eric. Thanks. Well, first of all, I'm humbled to be here. I, I appreciate you asking me to be here today. But um, I, I would simplify it of just saying, yes, I have a lot of titles. But at the end of the day, um, my career is to find talented people to help uh, run businesses that can impact their lives. When you say find talented people, what does that mean? I mean, because that's, you, know, you obviously, you, you work in the real estate industry, mm-hmm. and yet what I didn't hear you say is find people to buy and sell houses. So when you say find talent, what, what do you mean by that? So um, I'm a, I'm, I've been coached by some of the best, Eric, to be honest with you. One of my early on mentors with my Keller Williams journey was um, a very well-known person named Gene Rivers. Okay. Okay. And uh, as we all know, Gene, yeah. right? You know, Colorful. so yeah. shut the dang door. Um, anyway, so uh, Gene told me very early on that, um, like Gary, that you have to succeed through others. But one thing that Gene taught me was early on in, in what we now call the career visioning process is get an, get an understanding of when you say talent, somebody who's willing to do whatever it takes, somebody who has a track record of um, promotion or growth, right? And, and what Gene uh, you know, advised me to do was saying, hey, look at the resume first. Right, you know that's the first step of this. Mm-hmm. And if this person plays, you know, played chess, were they the captain of the chess team, right? You know, or if this was an a man, you know, if this person started a job, did they become a manager? Did they become an owner? Somebody who was always willing to push, right, and to get to the next level. Yeah. So if in that same chess analogy, were they leveling up their their ranking? Were they consistently improving? Um, someone who shows a track record of upward mobility then is is really one of the keys. What else are you looking for when you think about um, someone who's talent? Because we hear that word thrown around all the time. What does yeah, talent mean? Yeah, I, I, right, and we do, and you yeah. say that, and, and, and I say that respectfully as well, of like we do hear talent, it kind of gets thrown around. But um, another, another thing that I relate talent to is grit. Okay. Right? You know, I was fortunate enough to be in Gary Keller's uh, Top 100 or Top Mastermind, and one of the books that we read was Grit, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, at the end of the day was, Somebody that shows that uh, again, the same kind of the same same tune of, are they willing to do whatever it takes, right? It's in this new season that we're going yeah. in in the real estate world, right? Like, are they willing to get up and do whatever it takes to get what they want? So, um, so I, I do look for that, right? So I ask a lot of questions on that. If I was asking you, like Eric, give me an example of when you when you didn't want to do something and you did whatever it took <laughs> yeah. to get where you where you wanted to go. Okay. And I think that's interesting too, because what I hear is um, when instinctively, when we think about the word talent, it's oftentimes, it's a, you know, we, I think for me, it's someone who excels or exceeds above a threshold of average at, at whatever their, their role or task is. Mm-hmm. But that's not enough Mm-mm. to be effective over a long period of time. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and the best example, I'm from Chicago, Eric. Yeah. So, um, and I, I was an athlete growing up, so I relate for me personally, I relate everything to sports. And growing up watching Michael Jordan, and yeah. then obviously also seeing the last dance that just came out in 2020, 
was in episode five of The Last Dance, what, um, when, he, when they were interviewing his teammates and coaches, Michael Jordan, the one reoccurring theme that you heard was he, wasn't, he, w- he would do whatever it took, mm-hmm. right? But he also, to his teammates, said he didn't ask us to do anything he wasn't willing to do, yeah. right? You know, so if, when you find that person, that's when your life changes. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I love the, I love the, um, the piece that comes out to from that last dance, and it's kind of been my philosophy as well. Is like he talks about like never taking a day off or a game off. Yeah. Because he's like some some father brought his son there, and he worked overtime, or he worked a second job, worked, um, and and they gave up all of the luxuries of a vacation just to watch me play. Yeah. I have a duty to show up, um, whether I want to take the day off or not. And the beautiful thing about him was that he did that on the games and in the practices yeah. as well. So how do right. you measure for that? Because this is one of the challenges, especially when you think about where we are uh, season-wise as far as economics and industry goes, um, is that grit is likely going to be a trait that someone's going to need to embody where we're going. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you flush out whether someone has grit or not? So uh, the easiest way to do it, right, is, is track record first, okay. right, and reference checking and asking very direct questions of tell me how this person, when they, when they face adversity in their life, how they, how they push through a lot of personal conversations, yeah. right, in that if, if somebody gives a reference check of their parents or a brother or a sister, right, tell them when, tell them when they, they faced a very hard challenge, tell me how they got through that, yeah. right? You know, and that's, that's the first step, right, is through the reference check and the track record of hearing it. And then uh, again, being very fortunate to be coached by people, Abe Shreve was one of my yeah. coaches as well. Abe said to me, "Hey, listen, like we, we, we've heard before, is you you know you hire them at the hiring, but you get, you go into business with them 90 days later. So at the end of the day, when when we're looking for talented people mm-hmm. in uh, in our world, it's that first 90 days that's really going to tell us, yeah. you know, are they going to be able to make it." And so what are you looking for in that initial 90 days? Like, do you have a series of tests or a series of milestones that, you, that you're looking to identify whether that you're going to push that person on to the next 90 days to be in business together? Yeah. So at the end of the day, metrics, right? Okay. The, the, the number does the dirty work, right? Yeah. At the end of the day. So are you willing to, you know, the simple task of our, as an agent, are you willing to upload 100 people into your database yeah. in the first week, right? You know, are you willing to, I, I personally, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here for a second. I personally think that lead generation, the term lead generation, I think it gets a really bad rap. 100%. Right? 100%. I'm just like, at the end of the day, because we are, we are in tune and, and, and the psychology behind it means lead generation and means calling or cold calling. That's right. We live in a different world, right? At the end of the day, so it's like, uh, you know, I tell my kids this too. Is and and to your point, this is what I look like with my with with my people that we get into business with. Is, hey, listen, I'll tell my kid if you're going to be a clown in the circus, that's fine as long as you're happy. But you better be the best clown. Yeah. Right. You better be the top clown. So that's what I'm looking for in this in this 90 days as well. Is do are you showing effort and showing up to, to as someone who's trying to be the best? version of themselves absolutely in order to continue on to that 90 days um when then when you think about um what what do you find is like a common trait or is there a commonality um of where you find people who have grit like are there industries Mm -hmm. or their you know previous occupations is there any commonality for identifying that you see it you see it a lot in the service industry right you know either through people who were teachers 
yeah. right? A lot of teachers are, are very good. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of grit. They deal with a, a lot of chaos, right, throughout their career. Um, in the service industry, sometimes you'll see bartenders, you know, and or waitresses and waiters that, that you know, worked till one in the morning and would clean the place up and had a really good work ethic as well. Um, you also see uh, military, right? Military mm-hmm. have that discipline. Um, and they, they, are, they are ingrained in their mind, too, of they'll do whatever it takes also. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I know that there's a lot of businesses that are really successful that have, like, military spouses as well. I don't know Correct. if is there, do you have a track record in finding talent there or... Yeah, I, because I'm the operating principal of yeah. one of, one of our, our, our locations in Chicago, um, yeah, I mean, military divisions, people in the military and talking to people that that have military spouses, right, or have an upbringing through military is is beneficial. To that point, too, what I have found, Eric, is people who have grown up with with parents who were real estate agents mm-hmm. know what it takes, yeah. right, at the end of the day. Yeah. So some of the most successful agents that I've mentored have come from, a, have come from um, uh, parents that that were real estate the second generation and so so your role is finding talent now and that's your one thing correct yeah um for where we're going what does finding talent look like for the listener who's likely a real estate leader from a real estate team leader perspective what should they be doing I think that they should be educating themselves on where the industry is going, Okay. right, at the end of the day. And um, we've talked about consolidation for a long time. It, you know, a lot of times you'll hear consolidation is coming. I correct that all the time and say consolidation is here, Yeah. right? It's happened. It's here. It is the future of real estate. So as a leader, I feel that your job is to surround yourself with other leaders and people that think bigger than you do, right? At the end of the day, again, my journey has brought me to um, to Libyan, yeah. right? Because of that reason, right? At the end of the day, um, I get to hang out now with people like yourself and Adam and Don Krause and things like that because these people have done it. Um, they understand where it's going and they're they're acting on it. So then unpack that a little bit. Tell me more about like what, what was it that, that caused you to um, partner with Livian? Um, because, you know, I'm always fascinated by this concept of leaders partnering with leaders. Yeah. You know, we live in a society where uh, there's a lot of like ego and identity attached to building a business and then trying to stay siloed. Yeah. And yet here you are with, with multiple successful businesses agreeing to make a partnership with Livian with other leaders. What was it? That, um, that you thought or, or believe that made you willing to, to take that leap? It's a great question. So Eric, first and foremost, you need, you need to look at yourself in the mirror, yeah. right? I, I've been fortunate enough, it's just my behavioral trait where um, ego is, never, is not something that I typically see myself having, Okay. right? Um, so again, when, when I look and surround myself with, with the people that I like to be surrounded with, and I get an understanding of what is the best opportunity for them and what is the best opportunity for the growth of our companies, right? And then you see other people doing it at a high level. Um, I, listen, I, you know, I'm not going to say I just jumped in and did yeah, it, right? But at the end of the day, when I saw you doing it and I saw other people that I respected doing it and being happy and doing it at yeah. a high level um, and then going in and asking the questions with it, it really was an easy, easy decision for me because, again, Eric, I believe, and it's showing up, that this is the future of real estate, period. Obviously, I'm fully in in alignment with you on that. (laughs) I wouldn't be here if not, but what do you see that that leads you to that conclusion? So um, you're just seeing uh, economies of scale, right, at the end of the day. And um, we've both coached and mentored team members and other agents in in our world for a long time. 
And at the end of the day, the one thing that people, the one, one, one of the many things, but the one thing that stands out with real estate agents is they feel that they have to control everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's a fair statement is, is what it is. And, and in my mentoring and coaching throughout the years, I've said, hey, at the end of the day, um, do, do you care that, you know, um, that the owner of this Starbucks franchise is not, you know, serving you coffee, yeah. right? At the end of the day. So, but you still come in here for the experience, right? If we could unify the experience to, to putting the, the agents first through economies of scales and efficiencies, that's where the industry is going, right? So, so, um, so for me, it was, it was really simple of just, hey, how do I, how do I get the experience to be consistent, mm-hmm. right? throughout the whole transaction. Well, this is a fascinating dynamic. I was thinking about this this morning and you know, I was thinking that when you, when you look at the way that real estate is attempting to be disrupted currently, you know, there, last year I think there was 15 real estate IPOs, 30 plus billion in, in initial offerings. There's you know, almost 300 plus tech companies that are attempting to disrupt the transaction. And all of them um, are doing it with the technology at center and the agent as augmentation for the technology. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the living approach, it's, it's human first, it's a human system first with a set of operating principles and a set of operating systems around it. Yeah. Um, why do you think that that's the more effective approach? Obviously that's my belief as well, but what do you see that, that, uh, that caused you to believe that that's the most effective direction for disruption? Well, first and foremost, and respectfully, it's not going so well with those people yeah. trying to, yep. do, you know, yep. trying to do that. So that there's the data there, yeah. right? You know, and then two, to be honest with you, it's the fundamentals, right? At the end of the day, you can't teach a computer the fundamentals. That is, that is over time. Yeah. So the fundamentals will always win this game and always give that experience. I heard a very profound thing this morning listening to Adam yeah. where he said, you know, we hear disruption. That's another word that's getting thrown out a lot, mm-hmm. disruption. And when Adam looked at the room of 300 people and said, you want to know what the disruption is going to be, right? It's the agent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the agent with leverage will do the most disruption, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what's best for the customer as well, yeah. right? Also, yeah. So so for me, that human approach, the the largest transaction of their life or largest sale of their life, they want somebody to be there with them and hold their hand. I don't think that that's going away. Yeah, I mean, I you know, if I were if I were getting heart surgery, the last thing I want is WebMD <laughs> yeah. as my as my expertise, right? Yeah, exactly. Eventually, I still want. I might WebMD at first. I might fact check the the doctor against WebMD, but eventually I still want uh, to know that someone is performing the procedure and that my actual life is important and not just a piece of data. Yeah, again, you want it agent-led and technology enhanced, right? You know, so yeah. And so, so the direction then from a living standpoint is, is highly productive professional agents that deliver a superior level of counsel to the consumer instead of just access and information, which is really what technology is doing, mm-hmm. attempting to disrupt right now is, uh, is access and information, right? But yeah. no one is able to disrupt the expertise component. Yeah. And, and the Libyan platform, to, you know, to talk to, to that for a second, I've been selling real estate since 2001, okay. right? Um, so I've done everything from solo to a small team, to a large team, back to a smaller team again, right? Yeah. You know, anywhere from a hundred million or, you know, from 10 million to a 200, you know, 200 units and a hundred million. But, um, I tell you that because at the end of the day, I thought I had things figured out, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. at the end of the day, and I will just tell you about like client communication. 
you know, I thought that my client communication was pretty decent, right? I've joined the Livian platform. They said, can we give a suggestion here, right, of just how we do it? Yeah. And it looked like a master's program to like a second grader writing it, right? So <laughs> awesome. again, I'm okay with that yeah. because, you know, again, proven data that shows, hey, this is what the client wants to know and, yeah. uh, and how you should uh, convey that message. As someone who was in the market uh, during the last major real estate recession, um, you know, as of the time of having this conversation in the market, Get pendings are down 33% uh, this month, year over year. So, uh, I mean, we're seeing a rapid decline in total uh, number of pendings. What should agents be doing or leaders be doing um, aside from just educating themselves on the market? What are the tangible actions that they should do to adequately survive and thrive? I'll tell you what I did in the downturn, and I would I would recommend this again. Is okay. I went and talked to the most successful people that I knew and said, hey, have you seen something like this before and what would you recommend me doing? Okay. Right, because I did not know, I'd never been through this before. And just like, you know, um, just like all the coaches have told us before is, this, this too shall pass, yeah. right, at the end of the day, and the fundamentals will always win the game. So this is, this is to me, this is opportunity zone. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, when people say, what are you doing to prepare for this next season that we're in? I've asked the question of, I'm working on my, I've answered that question of saying, I'm working on myself mm -hmm. so that I can charge this storm, right, personally, because I know that my personal life and my business life parallel each other. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I'm working on my habits, right, to better prepare myself to go into this storm quickly um, and efficiently. I wrote down, seek wisdom, right? Yeah. Like learn from history and seek wisdom, seek which is wisdom. really what I heard you say is like, Find someone else who's lived during a similar experience and and extract as much wisdom and knowledge as you can from that person, then go apply it. Absolutely. You go back to the millionaire real estate agent, yeah. the first couple of those pages, right? Yeah. They say stand on the shoulders of the giants, yeah. the people who have done this before you. That is what this message is. Just do it again. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because the, as somebody who looks at economics and data um, way too often, mm -hmm. um, so much of it's depressing and so I have to be mindful of my own mindset so I found that one of the best ways to do that is listen to Warren Buffett yeah somebody who has this massive long-term perspective yes. of you know almost nine decades right understands that this too shall pass and as long as you follow a set of core principles you don't get wiped out absolutely and and so when I'm I'm a little curious because one of the things I found is that agents traditionally um, hate the idea of recruiting mm -hmm. or they're really resistant to it. Last year I asked in a room full of 400 um, team owners who enjoys recruiting and the only hand that went up was Don Krause. Yeah. And so, and then your and hand would go up, right? And so <laughs> what do you tell yourself that, that leads you to, to enjoy meeting people and recruiting? So integrity is a big piece, okay. right? And doing the right thing. I truly believe that we have a fiduciary responsibility to help others. So again, like I said, lead generation gets a bad rap. Recruit the term yeah. recruiting gets a bad rap Absolutely. as well. At the end of the day, if we're really coming from a servant leadership and we're really truly care about these people, you need to expose them to other things that could help them, right? So that's, that's it, period, right? So when people say I hate recruiting, I get it because recruiting means, oh, I gotta go sell them something. Mm -hmm. I don't look at it that way, yeah. right? right? I, I go and say, I need to help Eric because I care about Eric. So let's have a conversation and get an understanding of what Eric's needs are and see if I can help him. So I hear that as like recruiting to you is that you're on a rescue mission. Yeah. 
You're, you, you are looking for those that need tools, resource, guidance, um, enhancements for their life and their business, and you want to deliver that so that their life get, and business gets better. What can I do to help them, and what can they do to help me? Yeah. Right? So how then, how do you, one of the challenges then becomes is agents are used to going into listing appointments with the objective of getting a listing contract. Mm-hmm. And when you often go into a recruiting appointment, you're rare, very rarely getting a signature to, to you know, partner with your business in that very first meeting, unlike how the listing process typically works. Right. So how do you disconnect yourself from the outcome of that appointment? I, I asked myself the question, Eric, did I earn, did I give them enough value to earn the right to have a next appointment with okay. them? Okay. Right? So for me, it's always going, can I have another conversation with you? Right? Can I bring more value? Can I, can I take you to this class? Right? Is there, there, there's a pain point that you have and there's a proven solution to it. So can I just expose you to that solution? Yeah. Right? I'm going to be talking a lot about Livian because I truly believe in it. And yeah. I know in my heart of hearts that this is the future. So there's people in my world that need to know about it. Yeah. It, it makes me think of the like Gary V concept of like, you know, jab, jab, jab. Yeah. You're just giving yeah. as much value, uh, resources, education and, and exposure until what they make that connection that the path to growth, the path to what they want comes through you. Yeah. So at the end of the day, at one of my, business partners that's really well known nationally in the National Association of Realtors is Tommy Choi, right? And Tommy and I talk out every week and Tommy's philosophy, which I agree with and he says it very well is at the end of the day, just keep giving deposits until there's an opportunity for you to get a withdrawal. Yeah. And that's in any aspect of life, right? Of you know, any yeah. aspect of life, not just with realtors. So that is our philosophy in our world, right? And Tommy says it, you know, with a very, um, very eloquently. So, so it, recruiting is really giving mm-hmm. and, and making the deposits, believing that you have something of value to offer and expose to people. So then why are agents resistant to it? Um, great question. I ask myself that question all <laughs> okay. the time. Okay. Right. I do. I do believe fear is yeah. one thing in it. I do believe ego is there as mm-hmm. well, but, um, but ego is a really small part. My, my conversations have seen it's more fear-based because at the end what of the day, of? change. People are, a lot of times people are, I'm good. This is where I'm at, okay. right? You know, but when you ask the question and you say, hey, Eric, if you had your perfect career, what would that look like? It comes down to a couple things. One, they say they want more time. Yeah. That's, you know, they need more money to fund the life that they want or they want more opportunity. Yeah. So if they're going to be fear-based and not be open to hearing what that's what the, what solutions are for that, it's going to be difficult for them to grow. Yeah, they're disagreeing with their own goals and what they actually want to say no to that. 100%. And so w- when you find though that like CEOs or team owners are resistant to making the calls, what are what what is it that causes them to be resistant to making outbound recruiting conversations? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, the uh, being denied, okay. right? You know, so and, fear again. just yeah, fear again. Yeah. You know, being denied and being hung up on and things. But there's no difference in this, to, you know, in the in the recruiting world compared to a real estate. So okay. if, you know, you you have a if you have a family at home or you have people that you care about, it's your job, it's your duty to go out there and help people. Same on the listing and the buyer side, right? You're helping them at the end of the day. You have that fiduciary responsibility. So as far as as recruiting is concerned, it's the same concept. It's 
how can I help you, right? At the end of the day, what's your pain point? Everyone has one, and how can I help you? Is that what it's allowed you, because what I hear you saying is you come from a place of serving the person that you're connecting with rather than what can you get from that interaction? Right. Um, how has that served your growth in your career, that mindset? I mean, the growth has been abundant because of that, right? Yeah. Of, of There's personalities out there, right? Naturally, I'm a personality that can, that can help, but that want to help. But to go back to your previous question, right? And you say CEOs and team leaders making yeah. calls. We get in our own heads, right? And and they're saying, you know, they're they're saying to themselves, they don't want to hear from me. Yeah. Right? Oh my God, they're gonna think I'm recruiting them. So it's checking yourself first, yeah. right? At the end of the day. So again, what's your routine daily that you go out there and say, Hey, I'm coming from a servant mentality, I'm coming to give. Yeah. Who can I help? Do people know what coming from I I mean I get sometimes caught up in the semantics and the ambiguity of language because oftentimes, to your point earlier, which was lead generation gets a bad reputation, I've often said that lead generation is one of the worst prescriptions we can give people because most people don't know what lead generation actually tactically means or looks like. Yeah. We have to be sometimes more prescriptive. So what then around, um, around service or about being um, a servant uh, leader or servant recruiter, do, do people fully understand what that looks like? Uh, probably not, right? Okay. Just like what you and I saying lead yeah. generation as well. And it's, um, as, as our mentor and the person we try to choose to align ourselves with, as Gary Keller has yeah. said, it's time on task over time. Okay. So you're not gonna wake up one day and say, I'm gonna be a servant leader, great, yeah. let's get going, like whatever. But again, what habits are you putting into your life that you're coming from a place of servant leadership so that you can go out there and convey a message with integrity, mm -hmm. you know, of how can I help you, right? Yeah. And it's okay if you're not that person, right? <laughs> so, you not know, the, like, not the servant leader. Not the servant leader. Okay. You know, there are some people in, in our industry, yeah. so be it, right? You know, at the end of the day, I don't wanna help others, right? Yeah. I just wanna do my thing and go home and see my. Awesome, yeah. so be it. But at the end of the day, you might have to talk to 10 or 15 of those to get to the one that said, I really need your help. Okay. And that's what fuels your fire. So um, what, do you, what does servant leadership or, or servant recruiting tactically look like or sound like when you're coming from that position? So, you know, Eric, I've, I've, been, I've been quoted and known because I've been coached on this for a long time is, you know, um, Simon Sinek wrote a book, Start With a Why, yep. right? And we, most of us have read that book at this point in time. And a lot of times when you say you need to, you need to do it for your why, yeah, I hear that and I heard it in the room today, yeah. right? A lot of times people will default to the who, okay. right? Well, I need like, to do who this. Who am I doing it for? I need to do this for my kids, okay. right? Yep. I need to do like whatever, or I need to do whatever, or, or the what, or the, how, yeah. or the how, right? And when you really come from a place of, with the why, and you ask, my, my why is, you know, if I sat down with you, I would say, hey, Eric, my job is to make sure you have a perfect real estate career. Okay. With that being said, what does a perfect real estate career look like to you? And when I ask that question, people put their guard down, mm -hmm. right? Because they know that I'm coming with an intention yeah. to hear them, right? And then, and then help them because that's my why. So you're showing up for that person, making the conversation exclusively about that person and what they want out of life, business, future. Correct. And, and I just think it's interesting because servant leadership gets thrown around so much that sometimes it looks like people not holding people accountable to a partnership mm -hmm. or to their agreement or, um, or you know, negotiating win-wimp. And, and so servant 
and serving someone is actually just putting their needs, wants, and future yeah. at the at the forefront of your conversation. Yeah, and and typically right now, Eric, in a, in a time of um, in a time of kind of chaos, right, moving in and unknown, I ask my agents all the time, "What are the two things you want in your real estate business?" Okay, right outside of their perfect career. What are you hearing and right now? Leads and accountability. Okay, so. <laughs> So at this time of the marketplace, what people want are leads and accountability. Yes, absolutely. That's fascinating. This is not what I what I would think that people want. Um, what do you think the driver of that is? I, I think that the the leads is the is the first domino. Okay. Of, hey, at the end of the day, if I have leads, I'm a good salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. What we have found with all of this um, migration going to teams is we have found that salespeople aren't necessarily great business owners. <laughs> Right. So, you know, salespeople will come and say, hey, at the end of the day, I just just need some leads. I want I want Mm -hmm. some leads. So if you could help them with that, with those leads. Right. At the end of the day, one, either teaching them how to fish or efficiencies of scale through platforms like Livian and others out there and help them get more leads. But then what is the accountability around those leads? Right. You know, what does that look like for you? What, what are they? What do you think agents want with accountability? Because accountability can be this double-edged mm-hmm. sword, right? Mm-hmm. What, what does that look like? We've, we've touched on some rough terms today: lead generation, <laughs> yeah. accountability, right? So, so yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I would ask the question to you, Eric. I would say, what do you want your accountability to look like? Okay, right. So, I'm authoring that. Yeah, and and you, I get buy-in. And if Eric says, "All right, I want daily accountability." I will say that I will say this to them. All right, Eric, you need to text me at the end of every day or call me, whatever mm-hmm. your, your method is, or call me and let me know that you did those things today. And that's your accountability. And Eric, if you don't text me without a notice, uh, without noticing or notifying me, yeah. I'm assuming that you're resigning from the position. Okay. Either on my team or within the market center. Yeah. I'm assuming that you don't want it. Okay. Right? So you put the, rather than you as the leader being responsible for, um, polling someone behind the boat for accountability. You're putting the, the onus of responsibility onto that agent or that person you're in business partnership with that said they want accountability to follow through on notifying you that, that they did what they said they wanted. Yeah, so Eric, I'll give an example of this, of, of they need buy-in, right? Okay. We know that. In this leadership journey that you and I have gone through, the one thing that I've learned is that you can't change people. Yeah. They need to, they need to, to know, you know that they want to change. Bold mm-hmm. is an example, right? At the end of the day, you know, a lot of agents will say, well, why do we have to pay for bold, right? Like, why do I, you know, like, I know it works, but why do I have to pay for it? Yeah. Well, because if you don't pay for it, you're not going to show up. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. At the end of the day. Yeah, if there's so, no pain or nothing lost. If there's no pain, yeah. there, there, there's nothing lost, there's, yeah. right? So, so, so at the end of the day, put your money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. And this is the same sort of strategy I'm doing with, Eric, if you really want this, I will hold you accountable but if you don't do it, I'm just going to assume you don't and you're resigning. I'll make it easy for you. Okay. You know, to resign. And, and how consistent do you find that people are in executing on the things they want to be accountable for? Like the, well, we're going back to how to find talent. Okay. Right. So, so the people that, um, that are talent, they're really consistent and they really want it. Right. But like, like the, uh, when New Year's hits and like the, you see, you know, you're, you're a guy who keeps in good yeah. shape. You go to the gym on January 2nd and it's filled, right? Yeah. And by February 1st, it's not filled anymore, right? You know, at the end of the day, because life gets in the way. So the people who remain super focused on, on their goal um, and will do whatever it takes, then you all of a sudden see talent. 
As we wrap up, um, what do you want your impact to be when you think about 2023 and where things are going? What do you want um, your biggest impact to be on business? Um, to be honest with you, we're going into um, chaos, all right? <laughs> and um, I just want to know that, I want people to know that one, kind of like Michael Jordan in episode five, that I didn't ask anyone else to do anything I wouldn't, wasn't going to do. I'm gonna charge the hill and charge the storm with them and we're going to win, right? And, and again, win comes out of like, what, meaning what do, what do they want? We're gonna get them what they want.